0: I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Let's get into the book of Psalms, Psalm 127. I will say this, of all the Psalms in the book of Psalms, and it's not a long Psalm, but This psalm probably has the most verses, percentage-wise, of any psalm in the Book of Psalms that uh, are are known to to Christians who, who regularly go to church, regularly study the Bible, they're they're just they it's just it's just really chock full of them. In fact, it really gives you two. two it's really two parts to the psalm. One of them is about the sovereignty of God, and one of them is about parenting. And uh, the truth is, those two things go together because without the sovereignty of God, parenting eventually you just kill your children because you don't know. What to do with them? But with the sovereignty of God, you realize that those little creatures that are running around your house, and especially when they become cretins as teenagers, you realize that eventually they're going to be mature adults who actually take responsibility and grow and do and become and and make you make you amazed that God is in control, and therefore the sovereignty of God steps in. And isn't that wonderful? Isn't that powerful? Isn't that? fabulous really and we're going to be talking about that this morning he says he says this is this is solomon this is one of the songs of solomon and it's a song of ascent that was written by his he says unless the lord build the house the labor they labor in vain who build it meaning unless god is in charge of it those who are building or doing the work uh, of building the kingdom of god wasting their time And, uh, and wasting their time. And so if I know many of y'all, we we had a great service yesterday and we talked a little bit about that. We talked about that. We can come up with organizations and we can come up with plans and we can come up with all the things that, that a good church has and using the spiritual gifts of administration and leadership and all that kind of stuff. We can do all that. And if the people aren't led by the Holy Spirit and aren't and aren't anointed by God and aren't out there actively efforting, actively trying to seek out God's will, seek out his giftings, use his giftings, empowered by the Holy Spirit, unless God's people are doing it, which means God's intimately involved both on the macro level the whole church level but the micro level which is the individual level unless god is at work in the lives of the individuals and in the whole life of the church the the people labor in vain because it's really no it's really will have no so many times the modern day church depends on paid staff depends on a few people to make things happen and the truth is that uh that the strength and the power and the might of the church is found and born in the individual believer and their walk with God and their faithfulness to God in His purposes. And you can't ever really get around that. One of the reasons I love football is because no one person can win a football game. The whole team has to do it. Well, in the church, no one person can build the church. That's not how it works. God works in the individual believer's life. And a church that is empowered, a church that is that is active, a church that has people that are uh, in love with God and in love with his purposes and his will. When that's going on, God builds a kingdom. He builds his kingdom through the church. When when you put up slick ads or when you when you try to do things that may have some value, but the truth is that they're not the things that build anything. You can make it for a while, but what's really sustaining is a movement of the Holy Spirit among God's people. And Solomon said that. He says, unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build. He says, unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. What he's saying is it's good to have people out there, the watchman on the wall. How many books have we read about that? Steve Farrar, I think, wrote a book called The Watchman on the Wall. I know Tony Evans had a book that had a reference to this uh, verse in Scripture about a, about watchmen on the wall and, and God's watchmen. And that's important because even the Apostle Paul, when he was when he was going to Rome, called the elders together. And he said, you got to be watchful. You got to be careful. And you do. And that's absolutely true. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with, that, nothing wrong with understanding. That, but the truth is that God's our protector, and if God's not the one who's protecting, if God's not the one who's handling uh, the watching of the enemy, then the watchmen they watch in vain. They they have no there's no way there's no way for us to know all the wiles of the enemy. Now. Are we more powerful than the enemy? Absolutely we are, because we have the kingdom of God in our heart. Uh, or are we more knowledgeable than the enemy? Well, we have access to knowledge that is greater than the enemy, but I don't know more than the enemy. The enemy's been around for thousands of years. The enemy's been watching these people, uh, of which I'm one of them. He's been watching these people for a long time, and he knows our ways, and he knows he's a wily creature. And the and the battle uh, against uh, the forces of of, of of evil, the spiritual forces that are arrayed against us, they're not possible without God. And that's why he says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rulers of this dark age. And our, our the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons, they're spiritual weapons. And understanding that God's sovereignty, that God builds the church, that God provides protection, that God, that understanding, that getting that in your head, that getting that in your mind, and then... Trusting it, just because you hear it doesn't mean that you trust it. It, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean, it, it's not, it, it. the two don't necessarily go together. The two ne- don't necessarily happen. I remember the first time I ever flew, I was uh, being recruited to play at the Air Force Academy, and they were having me out, and, and my Aunt Ruth was going to go uh, flying with me out there to uh, Colorado Springs. And, and I can remember going to the Birmingham Airport. We got there, and we walked up to the gate, and right when we walked up the gate, a plane was taken off. And I saw that plane take off, and it it just it, it hit and it just it went like that, just like straight up. And I'm sitting there watching that thing going. I'm finna get on that. And when I was feeling that way, I was sitting there thinking, I see it work, but I'm not sure I believe it works. So that I get on, do what should I get on that thing? Did you say what that, what if something goes wrong? Oftentimes we, we, with God, we do the same thing. Oftentimes when we're with God, we do the exact same thing. We hear his word, we know it to be true, and yet we don't trust it. And that is a struggle for believers, no doubt about it. It is a struggle for believers, and there's nothing wrong with that because it's learning to walk by faith. Remember, salvation is the process of sanctification that God uh, brings about in our lives. And when we're dealing with things like that, when we're walking around and, and struggling with what God has taught us, he's teaching us to walk by faith. And that is a powerful thing God's doing for us, because giving us love, giving us faith, giving us grace, giving us mercy is a wonderful gift from God. But teaching us how to walk in them is the life that God has provided. And and learning how to hear what the Holy Spirit says and do and realize that he's doing the work is a lifelong process. It really is. It's not something that we just come to overnight. He says, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. What he's saying is, if you're staying up late, late worried, if you're staying up late wallering in your sor- sorrows, I know that's a Southern slang. It means to just toss and turn in your sorrows and toss and turn in your worry and doubt. What that really reveals when you do that, what it really reveals is that you haven't totally learned to walk in the sovereignty of God, to trust God for who he is and to realize that he's sovereign and um know that he his will is uh is powerful and what i'd say to you today is that if you do that the watch the watchman the builder they do it in vain without trusting god and you you worry in vain if you spend your life rising early and staying up late in, in worry and sorrow and doubt, you, you're doing life in vain. And that's what Solomon says. That he says, We got to trust God. We got to know He's got a will. We got to find out what that will is, hear it, and then learn how to trust Him and walk in it and uh, be excited about it. Be excited about what He's doing. He says, Behold, children, notice it's a total transition. It says, If you have two Psalms here, Put together a mashup is what they call it. You have two uh, psalms here, and he he puts them together, but they really do go together. He says, "Behold, if we're going to talk about building and watching and uh, rising early and staying up late and, and and the sorrows of life, well, that's all about children, isn't it?" That's what we have to do as parents. We, you know, it definitely applies to children too. It doesn't just apply to the church and it just doesn't apply to our own personal walk with God. It applies to children also. He says, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. What is he saying? You were given your children by God. I, I remember the distinct revelation of God that, that afternoon, lady, early evening when Caitlin was born, my oldest. I remember the distinct understanding that God gave me in that moment. See a beautiful baby. My wife labored really hard. It had been, been, been a rough day and first child comes along and she comes out and she's beautiful and absolutely perfect. Just, just love that. Although she looked like an alien and it was the neatest process. I really think child birth is is one of the great miracles. It's one of the great miracles of God that he's given us. If you if you ever get a chance to see that take place, it is it is an absolute miracle. But but I remember the distinct feeling that when you think that's my baby and God, I remember him him distinctly placing it in my heart, "No, she's not yours. She's on loan from you for you. You're not going to be get to be the one over her for all her life. I'm going to be the one who walks through life with her." Uh, she's not yours she's mine and you get to benefit of experiencing that and i've learned that for both my daughters they're not mine and they're never going to be mine they they are always been gods and and my job was to give them the very best i could for them to provide them the the most i could possibly give them as far as direction as far as love as far as support as far as a wisdom and vision and creating and and producing good character in them, but they're never they've never really ever been mine. They're not mine. They're they're gods. And he says, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. They come from God. He says, the fruit of the womb is a reward, meaning God's found you worthy of of being able to do that. And you see, there's lots of people that I'm not sure they should have children. A lot of times, um, a lot of times children, they center us. They cause us to have a, a direction and an understanding that we didn't have before. And sure, they may not be ready for them, but after they have them, their whole life's changed. And I tell young couples that all the time, your life is going to never be the same again as it is right now because uh, children do change you. And uh, they change your relationship with each other, and they change uh, they change your own place in 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 the world. Things from a different perspective. They are a reward from God. He says, like arrows in the hand of a valiant uh, of a warrior, so are children of one's youth. Meaning meaning that children are something that you point in the right direction, and they are powerful weapons. They are children are powerful. are are powerful tools in the right in the hands of the of a right and smart and wise warrior and parents who who are wise about raising their children and pointing their children in the direction that they should go boy they they see great uh things come from that and uh great lives change great hope built the kingdom moves forward and so he says, like, in the, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. And what he's saying is children, that a lot of children are powerful. I, 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 that's one of the things I, I, you have to have. Uh, I, I know as a pastor in a church, you've got to have children. You have got to have them. If you do not have children in your church is dead. It's not dying. It's dead. And, and because they're a reward from God. So also we you need to know that your children, when you raise them as if they're God's and knowing that God's got a purpose and a will down the road, when you raise them knowing that they're they're when you get uh, when they get older and become adults and they are re- literally not yours anymore, they're just gone. Some old boy comes and gets them and makes them fall in love with them and marries them, carries them all over up to Birmingham. When that happens, it is a great joy to see a good life and a life that is making a difference in the world that they live in. And they're searching out ways to change the world that they live in. He says, happy is the man who has a quiver full of them. He says, they shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate, meaning they'll be powerful and they'll stand up for what's right. And they'll stand up for what's good. And I, I tell you what, there's nothing that makes me more proud than my children and, and their special significant others standing in the gate and being, some, being people of, of, of character, people of, of stature and position in their community and, and where they live, and people who, who stand for what's right. And make a difference in the world and uh, cody and caitlin definitely are doing that and rebecca is becoming completely that and and solomon her boyfriend right now never can tell what happens in the future but her boyfriend right now he's a great man who's standing in the gate and learning how to be Powerful before God, and all those things—those things, those things are, are important, and and they make me not ashamed for sure. There's great pride in that, and when you point your children in the right direction, you you receive a great reward, and and you receive the best from God, and and notice, God's the one in charge, even in that, He's the one in charge. They're His, and they're not yours. And as we we go through this Psalm, you can—I know many of you've read this, <clears throat> heard. Heard this quoted many times in church growing up, and in church even today uh, about the sovereignty of God, about the uh, builder laboring in vain and the watching in vain, and not worrying about the things that go on. This the the psalm is just is quoted verse by verse is quoted. Regularly, as pastors and teachers are teaching truths about God's word, because it teaches some very fundamental truths about not only uh, building the kingdom of God, not only you working in the kingdom of God, but your children and, and their position in the kingdom of God. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that He'll make His face to shine upon you, and that He will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.